Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome back to State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Really good to be back with you guys once again. We are now into February. Yes, we're still a good ways away from the start of the regular season, but we are inching ever closer. Unfortunately, this time of year, there's not a lot of news going on, uh, but there's a few few things, few tidbits to uh, to talk about with the Braves, and I definitely want to cover that. It is just nice to still be talking about baseball uh, with you guys, uh, so let's get right into it, guys. Well, the first thing I want to talk about today is the news that Chip Carey, uh, the voice of the Braves for a number of years, is saying goodbye as he's moving on to the St. Louis Cardinals. This was a bit of shocking news. Now, um, Chip Carey definitely has his detractors, you could say. Uh, he's a little bit of a divisive figure, not because he's a bad guy in any way. Actually, Chip seems to be uh, like the ultimate nice guy. Uh, but just in terms of his style of calling the game, I know a lot of people are not his biggest fan, uh, even though he has been with the Braves since 2005. And so, uh, you know, if you told me Chip Carey wouldn't be with the Braves in 2023, I might think that he would have been let go uh, simply as they maybe are looking to get younger or just a different voice. But it wasn't that. Uh, it was Chip Carey's decision as the St. Louis Cardinals apparently offered him uh, that that job, the play-by-play -play job for the Cardinals, and he took it. Uh, it is not shocking that he would take that offer. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, if you know anything about the Carey family, uh, famed broadcaster Harry Carey, who is most well-known for being with the Cubs, actually uh, was with the Cardinals for many, many years before that, and Chip Carey basically grew up in the St. Louis area. So it's, it's home for him in a lot of ways, uh, so it does make sense. That, you know, if the Cardinals were his team growing up, probably is a dream job for him. So it's kind of cool for him that he gets this opportunity. Uh, the reason he got the opportunity is not real nice. The Cardinals play-by-play -play guy uh, by the name of Dan McLaughlin. Sorry if I'm butchering that. Um, but he had multiple DUIs uh, in the last, I don't know, um, few months. And so Cardinals obviously had had enough of that. Uh, so, you know, it, just knowing that, that, that background, even though Chip Carey maybe isn't the most exciting broadcaster uh, to ever call games, he is about as solid of an everyday guy as you could get. He's certainly not a guy who's going to get in a lot of trouble off the field, um, and that's what they got. So Chip Carey moves on to the Cardinals, of course. This, this leaves a big opening for the Braves to fill. You know, if you're like me and you watch a ton of Braves games, uh, you hear obviously the play-by-play -play guy a whole lot. Um, and so it affects you a lot. If the Braves bring in a really good play-by-play -play guy this year, it's going to actually probably make the viewing uh, even that much better. And so I hope that that will be the case. Uh, before we go into who might be filling that position, uh, let's talk about Chip Carey just a little bit more, you know, like I said, uh, yeah, he has a lot of detractors. Uh, Chip Carey definitely over the years has frustrated me at times. Um, he often will misread balls off the bat, uh, thinking, you know, a line drive is a base hit when it's like right at a guy or, you know, a ball is a home run when it's 20 feet short. Uh, you know, he might not be the only guy that does that, but it seemed to happen to him quite a lot. But nonetheless, you know, the best thing I, the best thing about Chip Carey was he's a good guy. Um, I think that always came across. Uh, he was a nice guy who just seemed to get along well with whoever was in the booth. Uh, he was 
you know, he was solid. He was there pretty much every game. Uh, he was reliable and he was a homer. I mean, I think uh, it used to be that uh, the Braves broadcasters came across less like that uh, when they were on TBS way back in the day. And that's probably because even though, you know, they were the Braves broadcast, it was still a national broadcast. And so when it went to uh, local, um, I think you you see that in pretty much every uh, every area. You, you kind of see homers calling games. And, and he was that for the Braves. And I didn't mind that. You know, I didn't mind him uh, rooting for the Braves and still being somewhat critical sometimes. But I think he also struggled uh, with how to do that at times, too. And I think it probably needed to be, you know, uh, a little more critical of the Braves. So nonetheless, um, that's, you know, I think Chip Carey was a, a solid guy in that position for a long time. But again, a lot of people are going to say, no, I couldn't stand Chip Carey. I couldn't stand how he called the game. Um, you know, and I, he definitely warned me at times as well. I don't want to bash the guys he leaves, uh, but just, you know, a couple things that people, uh, had, uh, problems with, with, with Chip. Uh, he he kind of constantly talked about the same things over and over again. He had kind of these pet topics. And, man, when you are watching 162 games, or even if you're able to watch half the games uh, over the course of a season, you just hear him talking about these same things over and over again. And uh, you, you tune out eventually. It just gets tiring. And, you know, being a baseball announcer might be the hardest announcing gig there is because there's so much downtime. There's so many times where action's not happening on the field. And so you have to come up with, you kind of have to be a conversationalist. And I'm not sure that that is Chip's best quality. I think his actual play-by-play -play when action is happening, he, he tended to be pretty good in those moments. Uh, but it was the downtime stuff, I think, that he really kind of struggled with at times. Uh, you know, he would always talk about pitchers who couldn't throw, you know, 95 plus they were coming in and they were these wily veterans this pitchability and and he always loved to talk about that uh nick markakis was like he had the biggest man crush on nick markakis uh, as long as he played and even still to this day he'll bring up nick markakis randomly uh which is always kind of funny and um you know also i also um recognize this same story that he would tell over and over again when Yoannis Cespedes was, was with the Mets and he slid into second and his, his diamond necklace, or I forget it was a necklace or a bracelet, but it all went all over the field and, and Chip just thought that was hilarious. And he would tell that story, it seemed like about once a week. So, so it just got very tiring. But, you know, nonetheless, Chip Carey always came across to me as like a guy you might, you know, see at a party. Um, he's not the first guy you want to go up to. Uh, you're not super excited to see Chip Carey at that party, but you're also, he's going to be nice to you. You're, you're probably going to have a, a decent little five-minute conversation to move on to someone who's a little more interesting. So again, Chip, uh, we will, in some ways at least, we will miss you. You, you were a dedicated voice of the Braves for a long time. Um, and so he is moving on to the Cardinals and certainly wish him well. The, it is going to be weird as a Braves fan, you know, I started watching the Braves in 1991, and of course, you know, Skip and Don and, and Joe and Pete were all calling games that time. To me, that's kind of a golden era of, of Braves broadcasting, and love those guys, especially Skip, uh, was always my favorite, just such a funny, witty guy. Um, you know, but a, a carry has basically been in the booth for the Braves 
for um, like 50 years. Um, and so for the Braves to move on from the Kerry name, it's kind of weird. Um, but of course, you know, that's, um, that's what they're doing now. So they are going through, um, I think the hiring process been a couple, they're obviously keeping it low key, but there've been a couple of stories that uh, they're down to uh, the top three finalists. Uh, the only name specifically that's been uh, floated out there is Tom Hart. Uh, you may or may not have heard of Tom Hart. If you are, uh, if you watch SEC football or basketball games, you do know Tom Hart pretty well. He's one of their main play-by-play -play guys. So it's interesting that he right now is doing more football and basketball. I, I watched a random SEC game the other night. I think it was Ole Miss and somebody else, and Tom Hart was doing the game. So um, he is a very solid announcer with a lot of experience. Not as much baseball experience, but he was the sideline guy for the Braves for a couple years, um, about 10 or 15 years ago. So uh, he has been around the Braves a little bit, uh, and in SC, the SEC world, the Braves might find that kind of interesting. I think he is a pretty solid announcer. Uh, I don't know how that will translate to the baseball booth, uh, but apparently there are two other finals as well. So while Tom, Tom Hart's name is being thrown around a lot, uh, we don't know who these other two guys are, and, and maybe one of them takes the job or wins the job. Um, ahead of Tom Hart. So we'll, we'll have to see on that one. All right, let's move to on the field stuff a little bit. Vaughn Grissom. Vaughn Grissom has been one of the biggest names for the Braves this offseason. Uh, if he'll be able to stick at shortstop, it's going to benefit the Braves a lot. We've talked about that a good bit. Uh, and uh, Grissom completed his third uh, and final week-long session uh, workout with, uh, with Wash, with Ron Washington, the Braves uh, guru of um, infield defense. Uh, they've been working out in California, uh, and Wash is, you know, just kind of over the moon with what Von Grissom has been able to do. So the cool thing about, you know, this was planned. They were going to have these three week-long sessions out there, uh, just very intensive sessions where Grissom hopefully is getting better and better defensively at shortstop to prepare to hopefully win the job in spring training this season. But MLB, uh, TV covered that and did a little piece on uh, on Grissom's work with Washington. And if you can find that, you can find it on MLB's website or the Braves website. Uh, it's about a five-minute little little special, and it's pretty cool to see them working. You get to hear from uh, both of them a lot, and I always appreciate Ron Washington's point of view especially. Um, it's it's generally encouraging. And, of course, you know, you're only seeing the good from from one of those pieces, but – uh, I think it still brings a little bit more comfortability uh, from the outside, just seeing them work together uh, like they are. It, it definitely reminds us that, you know, baseball season is a grind. Um, Ron Washington says that in the piece. And I really, I, that is something that I have always taken to heart. You know, baseball is a different kind of game. It is a game that is a marathon, not a sprint. And what that means is sometimes the most talented players um, can't handle the grind, right? You might be this incredibly talented player, but by by game one twenty, uh, you're hurt, or you know your your play is is diminished, or maybe your focus and your your mental you know the mental side of the game is taking a toll on you, and so it's just different in that way. It's daily, right? You don't really you don't get many off days to to reset and that sort of thing, and so. I think 
what Ron Washington is saying in the piece that I think is very true is that Grissom, he's going to have to deal with the grind mentally in taking on this task of being a shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. I think it's a huge thing and it's, it's bigger for him mentally than it is physically. Um, and the, the encouragement to that is he has all the physical tools. And that's something that I've, I felt was true from the beginning. And Ron Washington is saying it in this piece that he basically, he has the physical tools to do this. Can he do it? Um, can he take it on mentally? Um, I think Washington thinks he can do that as well. And he's been really encouraged by what, uh, what Grissom has done. Like I've said in the past, Alex Anthopoulos has said that Grissom's, you know, intangibles are off the charts. And the, I think that's why the Braves are such believers in him. Uh, he's working hard and hopefully this is all going to pay off for him and the Braves. There's no guarantees. Uh, it might be, you know, everything might line up and look like he can do it and he gets on the field in spring training and it's just, it's just not going to happen yet. Yeah, that is certainly a possibility, but, but nonetheless, I think he's doing and the Braves are doing everything right to get him ready for spring training. And we'll just have to see from there. All right, let's move on to the next topic, which is zips projections. This came out about a week and a half ago. Uh, there are a lot of different projection systems out there and zips is one of the more um, notable ones uh, tends to be, I think, a little more accurate than some of the other projection systems. So it's always kind of interesting to see what Zips has to say. And um, one particularly encouraging thing uh, as Braves fans is that it really likes the Braves and it likes their chances. Um, the, the biggest takeaway from this whole projection of the Braves for this upcoming season is it, Zips says that the Braves have the highest floor of any of the top contenders. And that basically means that a lot would have to go wrong for the Braves not to be good this season. Um, you know, I mentioned this with the Mets. I think the Mets uh, and the Braves are, are basically right there neck and neck. If you look at war projections for 2023, the issue with the Mets is um, they have some great players, but they really are leaning on uh, fewer really great players to be really great. Um, and of course with baseball, anybody can have a great season, but also anybody can have a bad season. Anybody can get hurt. And particularly when the Mets are leaning on their best two pitchers, uh, being, you know, around 40 years old, uh, that's a lot of risk that they're, that they're putting in, um, you know, two of their most important pieces. So the Braves have less risk because it's spread out. I mean, you, you can think of it kind of like, you know, investments, you, you, you have a lot of really good investments, but you spread that out over, you know, more things and then your, your risk is lessened. Um, and I think that's what the Braves are as a team. Um, Alex Anthopoulos loves value. And I think, I think he probably thinks this way that, you know, with so many good players, uh, you are likely to have a very good team, even if you have a couple of injuries, even if you have you know, one or two guys not performing the way you thought they would. And we even saw that last year, right? You had a couple guys get injured. Acuna didn't come back quite as sharp as you thought he would. And yet you have um, other guys step up in ways you didn't expect, like Harris and Strider. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I think the Braves are um, just as good, if not better, than some of these top contending teams. But they also um, are very unlikely to miss the playoffs or have a really bad year uh, simply because of how spread out their talent is. I mean, when you want to think about that, like think about how many legitimate MVP candidates 
the Braves have. I think they probably have four. And what I mean by legitimate is you can at least within reason see this guy having a great season and being in the MVP hunt. Okay. Uh, like Austin Riley um, has been, you know, top five or so MVP candidate the last two years. Uh, Matt Olson has been a top five MVP candidate uh, in recent past that he had kind of a down season last year. Ronald Acuna, of course, if he comes back fully healthy, he's got to be one of the MVP favorites. And then Michael Harris, to me, even though it's his, just his second season, could I see him having a sophomore slump? Yeah, I could see that, but I could also imagine him just taking a step forward and becoming an all, you know a superstar. Uh, and, and yeah, I could see that happening. So I think the Braves have at least four legitimate MVP candidates. So yeah, even if one of those guys were to get hurt or have a down season, well, another one of those guys could have a career season and just be otherworldly. And, uh, you know, that's, I don't think every team has, has four legitimate MVP candidates. Um, and I'm not even considering the pitching yet. So let's turn to the pitching. Like how many Braves could you see being Cy Young candidates? I think two of their five starters are legitimate, Freed and Strider. Of course, Freed was second in Cy Young voting last year, and Strider, if he's healthy, if he's as dominant as, as he was last year, and he pitches 170, 180, 190 innings, uh, he's got to be a Cy Young favorite this season. So, uh, you know, and you could even talk me into some of the other guys. You know, what if Morton comes back and is resurgent? I mean, I, I doubt that that's going to happen, but it's possible. Uh, you know, what if Wright takes even a, another step forward from what he was last year? I could see it happening. How many Braves could be all-stars? I think eight. I think eight legitimate candidates. I'm not saying that there will be eight Braves be all-stars. That's very, uh, that doesn't really happen uh, very often for any team. But, I mean, you think about uh, the guys I've already mentioned, right? The the four MVP candidates, the, the two Cy Young candidates, but you could also throw... Uh, Murphy in there, right? At the catching spot, you could throw Albies in there if he has a, a good comeback season. Uh, you could even imagine another starter or even a reliever, um, you know, like Iglesias or Mentor being, being an all-star. So, you know, that being said, the Braves just have a ton of talent across the board. Yeah, they have a couple of question marks and a couple holes that we've talked about. We don't know what's going to happen with shortstop and Grissom and left field is, is a definite problem for the Braves, but nonetheless, man, um, every, everywhere else is really strong. Uh, so, uh, very encouraging that you, when you hear outside, uh, predictors, uh, you know, project the Braves to be this good. It's, uh, it's like, well, I'm not just, you know, feeding on my own, uh, bias here. <laughs> Other people think they're that good. So they must be. All right. Well, let's talk about our next, our next topic. And that's some non-roster invitees that the Braves are bringing in to um, spring training. I didn't want to make this the top um, the top story for me because it's to me it's not all that exciting, yet it's at least something uh, probably worth talking about. Non-roster invitees are guys typically signed on to minor league deals or who, who are invited to spring training simply with a chance to um, make the club. And, uh, you know, most of these guys are not going to make the team, uh, but you have a couple that I think are um, at least have a a reasonable shot at it. So I wanted to go at that. So the most likely of the non-roster invitees to make the team, I think would be Jesse Chavez. And of course, Braves fans know all about Jesse Chavez as he's been, uh, you know, an important piece of the Braves for the last couple seasons. 
also known as the coach, uh, Jesse Chavez, was a very important part of the Braves World Series team. He came back last season on two separate trades to come back to the Braves. And he's just always pitched well with the Braves. He really hasn't been that good outside of Atlanta, but he comes back to Atlanta. Something clicks for him. The thing about Jesse Chavez is he's getting old. Um, he's going to be 40 years old at some point this season. Uh, so will the magic fade away or will he be able to keep it going? That remains to be seen. Uh, the good thing about Chavez, he's a great presence in the clubhouse, in the bullpen. The Braves, um, I think particularly with the bullpen, really value that. Consider that, you know, Lou Jackson's gone. Darren O'Day, uh, another guy who's known to be a great clubhouse guy, he retired. Uh, so I think just that, if Chavez looks like he's, he's still got a little something, I think I could see him uh, at least breaking camp with the Braves. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, you know, finish the whole season with the Braves, but at least making the team. I could see that happening. He also brings some versatility. You know, he's um, he can be that mid uh, that mid relief guy. He can be a long relief guy. He can be an opener. He's done that a few times for the Braves. And every now and then he could even be a high leverage guy if he's pitching well. And he did that a few times last season. Uh, the guy that I think in terms of non-roster invitees that that could have the biggest impact on the big league club this year is Kevin Pillar. Uh, so Pillar, you might remember, signed a $3 million minor league deal, which is a pretty rare type of deal. But if he makes the club, he makes $3 million. Uh, and I can see, you know, if Rosario or Ozuna really flop this season, I think it's more likely Ozuna does. But if, if either or, or both of those guys don't play well, I think Kevin Pillar is a pretty realistic option for the Braves. Right-handed hitter, hits lefties pretty well, um, you know, is a solid, used to be a great center field uh, defender, now is more just like a solid corner guy that could maybe occasionally play center field. Um, but I think he fits into what the Braves need a little bit more than some of the other guys out there. You know, the Braves have brought in a ton of um, kind of retread outfielders, and I think Pilar is maybe the be the best of these guys. He doesn't provide tremendous offense, but he can, you know, he has a little pop and he could do some things if if he made the club. I could see Pilar getting an opportunity over guys like, you know, Jordan Leplo is another guy that might end up being a fourth outfielder for the Braves. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could see Pilar playing quite a few games for the Braves this year and having some impact. The wild card of this group, uh, this guy was just signed to a minor league deal is Adani Echeverria. He's also been with the Braves in the past. He's a shortstop, and of course, the Braves needing some shortstop defense. This makes some sense. Now, Echeverria is 34 years old, so definitely getting up there, but I imagine that his glove is still really good. He's always been a very good defensive shortstop and was pretty popular when he was with the Braves in 2019 and 2020. So, you know, if Grissom wins the job at shortstop, I could see Echeverria making the team as that really solid shortstop backup option. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Orlando Arcee is still there too, but if the Braves kind of want to use him more as a pure utility guy and having Echeverria, uh, or if Arcee were to get hurt, or if Grissom were not to work out, right? Echeverria just makes sense having that depth in the system. So I think it's at least an interesting pickup for the Braves, even if he doesn't make the team, even if he 
Uh, he's never really hit that much, so I don't I don't really expect him to be a huge impact offensively. But I think it's a good it's a good move nonetheless. Echeverria, by the way, I just got to mention this. Uh, he might be most famous for when he got traded from the Mets to the Braves um, uh, in 2019, and he had a nice little run with the Braves, and and uh, of course the Braves won the division that season, and he gets interviewed, and he basically just says. You know, I, I just want to thank God for removing me from the Mets so I could come play for the Braves. And in, in Braves country, there's nothing better you could say than something like that. Uh, Von Grissom said something similar last year, too. He, he basically said he thought he might get drafted by the Mets, and he was so thankful that that didn't happen. <laughs> so, you know, having some Mets haters on the Braves is, is never a bad thing. All right, guys, well, let's keep going down the list. So uh, the next bit of Braves news to talk about, Max Freed. Of course, Max Freed uh, has two more years of control that he will definitely be playing for the Braves. Uh, but he was up for arbitration this year, and he lost his arbitration hearing to the Braves. So Freed will make, a, will make $13.5 million uh, in 2023 instead of the $15 million that he was hoping for. So if you don't know how arbitration works, uh, in MLB, you know, basically uh, the player says I'm worth X number and the team says, no, we think you're worth X number, which is usually less. And the arbiter comes in and he basically chooses one or the other, right? It's He's not coming in to find some middle ground number. Uh, and so basically they chose the Braves number of 13.5 million instead of Freed's number of 15 million. You know, this is just a part of baseball. Players don't tend to, you know, hold this against teams. It's just kind of part of the business. So I don't think this is going to affect Freed and the Braves in any way. But, you know, the one thing I will just say with this is sometimes with arbitration, um, it can be an opportunity for teams to offer an extension to a player. You're right. You get to avoid arbitration and you sign a guy through X number of years beyond that. And that didn't happen. And, and so it just it's another little opportunity that, has gone by the wayside for Freed to get extended with the Braves. Um, you know, a previous episode uh, this offseason, guys, I just mentioned, I, I continue to think it's unlikely that Freed is going to uh, sign an extension with the Braves. I think he will enter free agency after 2024. Um, and I would be very happy if they were able to figure out a way to, to get, ex get him extended. I just think this is another little sign that it might not be happening. All right, the last the last bit of news that I want to talk about related to the Braves is the Bally Sports bankruptcy. So Bally Sports um, owns the broadcasting rights to 19 separate sports networks throughout the country. Uh, the Braves, uh, well, really, you could say the Southeast, right? Um, uh, Bally South and Bally Southeast uh, cover the Braves, cover the Hawks, Memphis Grizzlies, um, and a number of other teams. And so... Um, but Bally has 19 of these networks. The, the Atlanta area is just one of those. And so they are um, going bankrupt, basically, their, their parent company. And so this could probably not have any changes to the broadcast in 2023, but it could have some pretty big changes coming beyond because we just simply don't know what's going to happen with the Braves broadcasting rights. Um, the present system basically stinks you know if you if you watch the braves at all you already know this uh, baseball makes it very hard 
to watch your team's games, especially if you live in that area. Uh, and this is due to blackout restrictions. Um, you know, it's just so for me, so I don't live in the Braves area. It makes it a little easier for me to watch games. Um, I live in the, you know, Washington Nationals, Baltimore Orioles sphere. Um, and, you know, so when the Braves play the Nationals or every now and then they play the Orioles, it's very hard for me to find those games to watch. So, uh, but if you live in the Atlanta area, you live in Georgia, you live in the Southeast, it's much harder for you to watch Braves games if you don't have cable. And a lot of people are cutting the cord, right? Uh, tons of people are cutting the cord. Uh, I'm one of those. Um, but when you do that, it becomes really hard to watch your team. The purpose of the blackout, I mean, it's been, you know, it's been in place for many, many years, but it was basically to protect cable companies. Um, you know, but as, as more people decide to cut, cut the cord, uh, that's when like companies like Bally just start losing money hand over fist, right? Cause you're, you're expecting to make X number of dollars and then you just don't have people watching the games on the, you know, by the numbers that you thought they would. So here we are, Bally is, is uh, filing for bankruptcy here. So, you know, there's, there's no telling where this might lead. I really hope it leads to a better, you know, game watching experience for baseball fans and baseball in general. You know, you want baseball to be accessible to as many people who, you know, who are as interested, um, you know, whether you are a hardcore fan or, uh, or a casual fan, it should be easy to find the games you want to watch. So, you know, a couple possibilities that could come of this. Uh, another company could step in just like Bally and buy the rights and nothing really changes. Uh, that's certainly possible, though it's hard to imagine um, companies seeing this current model as being a great moneymaker. Uh, MLB itself could forge a larger deal with, you know, a streaming company like Apple or Amazon or some other streaming service, Peacock. Uh, they already have these deals in place, but they're small and they're kind of random nationally televised games. So could those streaming services create kind of a, a baseball, you know, specific thing, you know, maybe. Uh, another thing that I've seen out there that kind of excites me more is the idea of teams setting up their own streaming services. So the Braves would have their own streaming service. They wouldn't have to go through intermediaries. And, you know, obviously fans could pay the Braves directly to watch their games and the best thing about this i mean the, the closer you can get to the customer the better but the best thing about this is you wouldn't really have any blackout restrictions anymore right direct to customer no blackout restrictions anyone who wants to watch the braves let's say they pay 20 dollars a month and you're watching every braves game no matter what no matter where you are in the world and that would be pretty cool uh so again don't know where this is going but it's um Valley Sports is definitely going to be going bankrupt at some point during the baseball season. The The only weird thing that could happen is the, the money that Bally is supposed to pay teams like the Braves could be held up for some time. It's hard to know if that's going to affect any operations for any teams. Uh, hopefully not. That would be kind of bad in the middle of the season. But uh, I don't think that that's likely. All right, guys. Well, hey, look, pitchers and catchers uh, are going to be reporting soon. February 13th is the earliest that pitchers and catchers will be reporting. So just another reminder that even though we're still in the middle of winter, 
baseball is coming. It is soon. Um, if you can get down to Florida and see some uh, spring training games, that would be sweet. I doubt I'll be able to do that, but um, it would definitely be, it's definitely on my list of, of things to do one day. My buddy David and I are, are talking about maybe doing it. So David, if you're listening, we still got to figure that out. You should, uh, you know, let's, I'm going to put you on it, but you can let me know uh, when, we sh- when we're going to be doing that. So, all right, guys. Well, again, I really appreciate you listening and watching, and uh, I will see you and talk to you uh, very soon.